Jesus made a promise to those who believe. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What a powerful promise from our Lord. He knew and he committed. He made a covenant that says, for those who will believe they are sinners and come to me, for those who have repented of a life without me, for those who have made it their goal to humble themselves and follow me, for those who have chosen to obey, take up their cross and follow me, to those who will say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, to those who would say, Lord, I believe you have a purpose, you have promises, and you have a covenant, and I believe them. To those who will believe that, to those who will walk in his name, to those who will believe in the power of his name, he says, you can ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. What a powerful promise and an invitation for us as God's people to pray bold. As we've seen in this series, when we choose to pray bold and believe God, Heaven moves. Angels are dispatched. Warfare breaks out in the heavenlies. Hearts change. Lives change. And the future changes. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what others have said, what others have done. As a child of God, when you believe the words of Jesus, and choose to walk in the power of his name, he says, I will do what you ask. I am there. I have made my covenant, my promise. Ask, ask of what I've said I will do, and it will be done. Amen? Amen. Today, our message is called Pray Bold and Change Your Future. Now, this is not just a self-help talk today. This is not a spiritualized TED talk. This is not some pie-in-the-sky promise talk today. This is the truth of Scripture. This is what Jesus invites us to believe. Amen? This is what Jesus calls us to act on. Turn your Bibles today to 1 Chronicles 4. We're going to look at the story of a man who did this very thing. He chose to believe a promise. He chose to believe what God said. And in great faith, he prayed bold. Now, the story is about the power of a name. We'll see that here in just a moment. Uh, we're all given names at our birth. We uh, pick up names along the way. I picked up some nicknames through elementary and high school. And some of them I liked. Some of them I didn't care for. Some of them I had to work off because, you know... You end up wearing the name that someone gives to you, right? You know what I'm talking about? And names are important. Names in the Bible were important. Names were given from a person who had authority. In fact, names imply, the giving of a name implies authority. God told Adam that he could name the animals. The animals that exist on the planet today were because Adam was, was given that responsibility. He had the authority. And whoever gets to name it gets to claim it. Hello? I'm not just talking assembly charismatic stuff this morning, okay? I'm talking about promises from God. Whoever names it gets to claim it. It's the way it works throughout the scripture. When God worked in someone's life and they surrendered their life to follow him, God often changed their name. 
Abram became Abraham because God claimed him. He renamed him. Sarai became Sarah. Right? God claimed them and God named them. This is what happens because whoever gets to give the name is the one who gets to claim authority in the person's life. And God does that whenever we commit our lives to follow him. He gives us a new name. He calls us chosen, loved, accepted, redeemed. He gets to give the name. He gets to claim ownership. Amen? Now, in our world today, people who reject God are choosing to remove the name off of them and put their own name on it. They want to reject God's ways and choose the name for their own identity. They want to choose their own gender name. They want to choose their own pronoun. They want to choose their own name and rename themselves apart from God's design to be what they want because they are claiming authority away from God. They're claiming authority over their own lives, right? Whoever gets to name it gets to claim it. And so we meet this man today who was given a name and his name is going to be the very reason that he is going to pray bold. He's going to ask God for something miraculous, something powerful, something impossible. He's going to ask for his future to be changed. Two verses today. We start in verse 9 of 1 Chronicles 4. It says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. What's happening here in this passage is we're getting a story, a genealogy, if you will, of the line of Judah, the tribe of Judah. It's a family lineage here. It's someone who's done some great genealogical work. Now, God has provided for us in the scripture, and these names are just rolling along, just one after another. But when you get to this man, Jabez, there's all of a sudden a little commentary. Someone took the note section and said, let me type in a little bit more about this man, Jabez, because there's a story attached to his name. I'm sure all the other, story, the other names had stories to them, but this story gets preserved for us in Scripture. And the Bible tells us in the next part of verse 9, it says, And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Mm. Can you imagine being given a name that reflected the pain that you caused your mother. So that every time she called your name, she remembered the pain. Every time you heard your name, you remembered, I caused pain. Some translations of this word indicate not just that I caused pain, but bearing the name Jabez meant you would always cause pain. Jabez bore a name that meant one who causes pain. Can you imagine walking through life with something put on you that said, everywhere you go, you cause pain. You are broken. You are dysfunctional. You are a problem. You cause pain. You'll never have what it takes. You'll never have healthy relationships. You'll never 
experience the blessing of God. You'll never know life of peace. You'll never know a life of joy because you are one who brings pain. What was going through his mother's mind to give him this name? If you're like everybody else in the room, you know what it's like when someone gives you a name. It's not nice. When the crowd puts that on you, when the friend group puts that on you, you also know what it's like to bear a name that the enemy has whispered to you. Oh, you, you, you will never, ever amount to anything. You will always be a problem. God could never bless you. You're always going to be in pain. You're always going to cause pain. You're never going to have the life that you've dreamed of. All of those things are names that the enemy wants us to not just wear, but to bear and make an agreement with and say, you are right. This is how I'm always going to be. I can't imagine what it was like for Jabez. I'm sure there came a point where he thought, I I just can't do this anymore. Maybe it was after multiple failed relationships. Maybe it was after multiple times of dark nights and thoughts that were way beyond what he ever wanted to have to deal with. Maybe it was after days and days alone in isolation. Maybe it was the fear of thinking he could never be married. Maybe it was the fear of thinking he could never make a difference. Maybe it was the fear of thinking there was a curse upon his life. Whatever it was, Jabez bore this name. And there came a point in his life where he said, that's enough. I can't do this anymore. I can no longer bear this name. I can't wear this anymore. It's too much. It's too dark. It's too heavy. It's too much. I can't live in this. I'm tired of all of this. And the Bible tells us that the next thing that Jabez did in verse nine or verse 10, it says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel. Jabez took the moment. Jabez said, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. And Jabez took the time to turn his heart to God and to pray bold. Now, We know some about Jabez because it says here he called on the God of Israel. He knew about this God. He's from the lineage of Judah. He's from the family tree. So he knows the stories back up the family line. He knows the story of Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers who mocked him, who gave him horrible names, who turned their backs on him and told their dad that he was dead and all that he suffered. And he knew the story of how God took what the enemy meant for evil and he turned it for good in Joseph's life. Jabez knew that story. Jabez would have known the story of a little boy named David who had trusted God, 
who had believed what God said about him. And he went up and faced a giant and said, you, you come to me with your spear and your sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. He knew this story. He knew the power of God to change lives. He knew the power of God to do something different when they all seemed impossible. He even knew that there was a prophecy that one day in this family lineage of Judah, there would one day be born a king who would rise up and he would be the king of all kings. He would be the lion from the tribe of Judah. Jabez would have known this. And Jabez, knowing this, chose to cry out to God and pray bold. Now, the scripture records exactly what he prayed. It says in verse 10, it says, this is what he was saying. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. This is Jabez saying, I live under a curse, God. I live under the, under the curse of this name given to me. But God, I know you're the one who redeems men from the curse. God, I know you're the one who can take pain and heal pain. God, I know you are the one who can do miracles. So God, I'm calling out to you to take away the curse. And instead, God, I'm asking, would you bless me? This would have been a huge request. This would have been a bold ask for Jabez. God, I've only known pain. I cause pain. God, would you change my future? Would you change what has been me? Would you change what I have caused? And would you bless me instead? In fact, not just simply bless, but New King James Version language. Would you bless me indeed? In other words, a lot, excessively, greatly, boldly asking for great blessing. Now, what's fascinating is our minds right away go to, okay, he was probably asking for some financial blessing. He was probably asking for some, some peace in his heart. He's probably asking, maybe he had some kind of health condition going on. I, I don't know what it was. Really, here's the deal. In the Old Testament, if someone was praying for blessing, as I'm going to show you in just a moment, blessing could have been a lot of things, but in the Old Testament especially, blessing was associated with children. Blessing was associated with having a lineage. Blessing was associated with having a future. And so what I really think is happening here is Jabez saying, God, in my family lineage, from my mom to me, the generational pattern has come down that I wear and bear the name of curse would you turn that curse around? Would you bless me instead so that I can be a blessing and so that as my mom gave me the name of cursed, I might have children so that I can show them the name blessed. Jabez was asking a big ask. He was asking for blessing blessing indeed. God, I want to take back what's been lost. I want to reverse 
the curse. God, I want to pull down this stronghold. God, I want to break this generational curse. God, I want to change what has happened up to this point. God, I want to see your blessing in my life. And I am coming to you because you're the God who does bless. You are the God who does change things. And so God, I'm asking you to bless me indeed. And he also said, and would you enlarge my territory? He wasn't just asking for some more land. This was really more of a reference to, God, would you expand my influence? God, would you expand the places that I move in? God, would you expand the places where I live so that I can tell others about your greatness, about your promises? If you look in the King James at this point, instead of enlarge my territory, it says enlarge my coast. God, would you expand my ability to make a difference here and beyond. God, I want, to, I want your blessings to follow my life. I recognize they can only come from you. And I want to pass those on to the next generation. I want to pass them on to the other nations. I want to see that happen, God. Not just for my benefit. I'm not looking for a more cushy life. I'm not looking for a more bougie life. I'm looking for a life that is centered around glorifying you. So God, I'm asking, would you bless me indeed? And would you expand and enlarge the coast, the coastline, my influence, where I go, who I see, who I know. This is a bold act. And he goes on in verse 10 and he says, and that your hand would be with me. That it would be evident wherever I go that your hand is upon me so that unexplainable things happen, that your promises come true in my life. I'm sure Jabez must have known the promises of Deuteronomy. He must have known the things that God had told to Moses. He must have known passages even like we know of as Deuteronomy 28. Listen, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments which I command you today that the Lord God will set you high above the nations of the earth and all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let me just stop right there for just one moment. Jabez was not saying, hey, I want to continue in my sin. Would you bless me? Hey, I want to keep doing what I want to do. Would you bless me? Hey, I don't want to have anything to do with your life and what you have for me. Would you bless me? No, for Jabez, he was saying, God, I surrender. Your ways are great. My ways are not. I come from pain. You come from life. I come from curse. You come from blessing. God, I'm repenting. I'm turning. I'm going to live my life for you. I'll surrender everything to you. And now, out of humility, would you bless me? Amen? This is what Jabez was doing. Deuteronomy goes on, and God says, I'm going to tell you what the blessings will be if you follow me. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. In other words, whether you're in Dallas or you're in Ovilla, blessed shall you be the fruit of your body the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you, to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you and on your storehouses and all that you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord God is giving you. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. These are just some of the blessings that God had given for those who will follow him. And Jabez 
knew those. And Jabez said, Lord, would you bless, would you enlarge and expand my influence, my, my place, so that others would know your hand was on me? He goes on in verse 10, he says, and that you would keep me from evil, that you'd keep me from disobeying you, but also keep me from those who'd want to pour out evil against me. I love all of that. I love what Jabez is asking for. But then Jabez says, and God, here's the reason I'm asking. He says, so that I may not cause pain. Jabez, my heart breaks for you. But I love how humble Jabez is to say, God, this curse has been upon me. I can't bear it anymore. I'm calling out to you because you're the one who redeems men. Would you bring blessing to me? I don't want to cause pain to people. I don't want to be the cause of pain. As powerful as all of that is, the last part of verse 10 is perhaps the greatest. It says, so God granted him what he requested. And then the story just rolls on. Scripture just rolls on with other great people of faith, people who walked in God's ways. But we got this little insight from Jabez. And perhaps the most powerful thing is that Jabez asked for something bold and God granted it because Jabez believed that God would. Now, this morning, I want you to hear not just a story from scripture. I want you to hear a real life story of someone here in our own church that God has done what seems like a play-by-play of this very story. So if you'll help me give a warm welcome to Wendy Huff. Wendy, come up on stage. Hey, how are you? Yeah, if we'll grab Wendy a mic down there, that would be great. We're going to sit a little closer here. Yeah, awesome. So Wendy has a story that's been in the making for a while, all right? Can you take a deep breath or anything? You good? I, am I related to Jabez? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Whoa. crazy, huh? Wow, I'm just sitting over there like, wow. Yeah. Wow. So we've been wanting to... Uh, tell Wendy's story for a while. And we've had this conversation multiple times and then a new chapter will unfold in her life. I think, okay, well, maybe we should get through this chapter and then we'll tell the story. And then we get through that chapter and then the page would turn and there'd be the, the next chapter. And we've done this multiple times. I'm grateful to God that we are here today for you to hear some, not all, of what God has done in Wendy's life. So let's do a little setup here. Um, it's helpful to go back and, and tell the story from the beginning um, because, you, like you say, you can tie into what Jabez walked through. Oh, so much. Yeah. So um, the last time Wendy and I talked, she said, uh, here's what I went through in the first 10 years of my life, and it's, it's, it's more than most people ever experienced in their entire lifetime. So give us a, a little bit of an overview of the first 10 years. What's that like for you? So... My mom and my dad were older. They were 45 and 55 when I was born. 
I, by, by regular settings, that normally doesn't happen. Um, I had four brothers, um, two by my father, two by my mother. I was the only product of their marriage. Um, it ended in divorce before I could even hold my own head up. Mm. I don't remember <clears throat> them ever being together. Um, I grew up in a small town of Ada, Oklahoma. Mm. And um, that was my dad's town. Everyone knew my dad. And uh, when it came time to decide where I would be, I ended up going with my father. My mom went from uh, being a stay-at-home mom to uh, not having a job, not having a place, mm. having to come to Texas, and with stability, I, I stayed with dad. Um, he, he was the older. He was 55 when I was born. He was a heavy alcoholic. Um, he, he was very angry all the time. Mm. I really can't remember a lot of positive from my father. Mm. Um, I remember even under the age of 10 having to continually clean up the beer bottles mm. or I would get in trouble. Um, severe abuse. Um, I'd be slammed up against walls to stop me from trying to run from it. It, it was extreme. Under the age of 10. Under the age of 10. <clears throat> um, like I said, I had four brothers, um, two from my dad and two from my mom. Uh, under the age of 10, my brother George, from my father's side, placed me in a very inappropriate situation. And when it came along with a threat that if I shared it with anyone, that he would remove my pet from me. And I know that sounds ridiculous to be so upset, but when you're 10 years old and you're going through, or under the age of 10, and you're going through physical abuse at home, sometimes you're kind of um, programmed and taught that you can't have friends because the friends would see the bruises, the friends would know what your home's like. So I had my dog, my black lab, and my brother <clears> knew that. <throat> so he threatened to kill my dog if I told anyone. And uh, my brother George passed away of a, uh, a drug raid. And uh, he, a very tragic situation. He was involved in drugs and uh, he passes away. And I tell my dad, all under the age of 10. And my, my dad said, how dare you say that about my dead son? Mm. So, um, so I'm sure at this point, you're, you're forming some conclusions about yourself. Horrible. I, I wasn't like other people. I couldn't be friends with other people. I wasn't to be trusted. And nothing I said was right. Mm. I didn't like my body. I... I didn't have a normal childhood and I'd see everyone else have mm. all these things and trips and vacations and outings and parks and I didn't get that. Yeah. And again, because of the threats and because of the situation, you couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't. And, and even in your dad's response, yeah. you're still left in this place of isolation. Yeah. yeah. Um, three out of my four brothers have all passed away 
from uh, drugs at this point in time, um, which also left me feeling very alone. They were all older. I mean, I, I was born to very old parents, so not very old. Not, but anyways, <laughs> but I, I was about old, to get offended. Older, <laughs> older. <laughs> but um, so the time came, still at, under the age of ten, that. Um, with my dad's health falling, that I caught a really bad case of lice in school. Mm. And I brought it home, and with his health deteriorating with the diabetes, um, he just wasn't able to keep up. Mm. It was a blessing. I know as a mom, we're all gonna say lice is a blessing. No, excuse me, no. But um, the lice got so bad that I missed so much school that CPS showed up. Mm. And they saw the condition my dad was in. He, his health had deteriorated so bad that they were gonna have to amputate his legs. And so they called my mom and said, hey, you have an option. You can either come from Texas and get your daughter or she's going into um, protective services. Mm. And my mom came and got me. My mom's only agreement with um, custody was that I had to be in, uh, in church. Mm. So... Okay. That, that was very interesting. As you walk through teen years then, um, 16, 17, 18, 19, things start to take a dark turn oh, for you. Oh, man. I know and, we're leaving out much. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> talk about uh, 19, high school. Yeah. Um, leaving my dad... And going to my mom was a big culture shock. I went from being sheltered and, and not allowed to have friends to put into a large group of people that I didn't know anything about. Mm. Um, my dad listened to really old country music, like uh, Gary Stewart. And uh, that was what I was raised on. I was told I couldn't repeat those songs at school. <laughs> um, then going into this middle school in Irving that just complete culture shock. I knew nothing of them. I didn't know their music. I didn't know what they liked. I didn't know, I didn't mm. know what kids do. I didn't know how to interact. I was so awkward and weird. <laughs> so awkward and weird. You were that girl. Yeah, school, I was huh? that girl. I was totally <laughs> that girl. Yeah. And um, now it's also the time that there's a certain style that you kind of buy into. Oh, Y'all. <laughs> I... I was really upset and hurt from my past and it came to a realization of noticing I wasn't like others. So I dove deep into the Gothic style. Um, I tried to go to the mall dressed up like the crow as much as I could. Um, yeah. So you're all dressed in black. I'm, I'm all in it's, black. It's I've the got time of the giant. Trip pants. Yeah, the giant. Not yeah. bell bottoms, but no, they're just no, giant No, no, these are giant pants. trip pants with chains and skulls and studs and things. Your hair's that, black. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It had black to be. makeup. Yes. Wow. Yes. Mom was like, can you go with brown <laughs> eyeliner? No. 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 All right. No. So um, that also led me um, to a lot of suicidal thoughts. Mm. Uh, by the age of 19, I had attempted suicide at least five to six times in all different types of ways. And every time something would happen, my mom would walk in or something would happen. It would always mm. get found out. Wow. And it, so a lot of this is because of 
the name that you're wearing yeah. about yourself, your identity. Yeah, I felt like, well, if I was gone, maybe they would, would understand that mm. I wasn't that bad. I felt like I was worthless. I mm. was empty. I would never be enough. I've never, I'm not like the other people. I'm not good enough. I am a mistake. I don't deserve good things in life because I've never had good things. I'm not like anyone else. They just wouldn't understand me. And the interactions I have, they're only surface level. Mm. When they leave, I'm not a thought in their head. Mm. So, um, What else happens at 19? I, I ran into a really bad crowd. And they had convinced me that my dad's social security check that was going to me because I was in school was better off spent in my hands than my mother's. And that I could leave them at 17. And that I could take my check with me and that I could spend the entire day playing video games and in enjoying a natural substance. And I was so excited. I was like, hold up. You mean I can just sit around and do absolutely nothing and play video games all day? I was in. I was in. And with that came no rules, no regulations, no structure, nothing. So I began drinking and smoking and just having a day of it. And that's when I figured, um, I found out about the fleshly desires and finding the lost love in other people's arms. And that sent me from relationship to relationship to relationship, never really feeling what I was really looking for. Mm but just continuing with this toxic emptiness of trying to find it. Mm-hmm. And then I got <clears throat> pregnant, unwed. It, it, it changed me because I needed to, I had someone to live for. Mm. I had a purpose as well. Mm. I had to fight then. And uh, it was after I found out that I was pregnant that my mom tells me she has cancer. At this point, my dad and three of my brothers are passed away. I've got one out there somewhere and my mom was my last one. She passes away of uh, cancer in June 24th, three months before Nevaeh was born. Mm. So there I am, 19, pregnant, and without anyone in my life, Mm. in a horrible household filled with drugs and alcohol and any man that I could find. And I've decided I've had enough, Mm. that I wasn't going to raise my child in that atmosphere, that that's not what I wanted for her. It was okay for me to be in, but uh, that was different with her. So I contacted the school and I got put into my first homeless shelter in Oak Cliff. Yeah. Wow, 19. Yeah, 19. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So you're living then in a homeless shelter yeah. and that goes on for a while. It does. Um, I finally, um, I had breastfed and I fell asleep with Nevaeh a few too many times breastfeeding because it, it, it is a risk. Um, they threatened CPS and I was so scared of losing my child and losing the one tie that I had 
that um, I, I went out and started doing it on my own. Hmm. Um, I have a gentleman who's been like a dad to me. He uh, took me in and uh, helped me and me and Nevea a lot. But I needed to do it on my own, so I became a waitress. I, I actually made a list. I thought it was pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I became a waitress. I did door-to-door sales. I did car sales. I did telemarketing. I did fast food. I worked retail. I did anything. Like Once I think back, I've done so many different jobs. Yeah. So many different jobs, just trying to make it work right. on a single income. Yeah. And I just kept falling again and again and again, mm. not able to make it as a single mom. I hate to push the fast forward button. I know, okay. <laughs> I understand. But let's fast forward yep. to how do you end up here? With A lot happens, yeah, obviously. a lot. <clears throat> so um, with me struggling as a single mom, going from job to job, I lost my job and I had to go to yet another shelter. I ended up at Center of Hope in Dallas. And they had a discipleship program um, that was basically seminary school. Mm. It was amazing. It really was. And um, I would do that every single day. Chapel was every single day. The studies was every single day. Scripture Bible study. And there was this one point there that um, a gentleman came in to provide chapel. And he said, you know, you've, you've tried life. You've tried this and that. And it really hasn't worked really well for you. But I have a question for you to ask yourself and really search yourself deep. Have you actually 100% really tried God? Hmm. Like really given it your all, really tried God. And that's when I woke up and I was like, I knew God, I, I knew of him, but I haven't really, really devoted myself into it. And that just started a flame. Mm. A, a, a searching and actually trying to really devote my energy and my time into God. And there was a girl there. <laughs> um, there was a girl who I felt was really putting the same energy and effort into pursuing God as I was. And that was our Stephanie Smith. Yeah, there's a member here, Stephanie. Yeah. Yeah, Stephanie Smith. And I, I remember, yeah, she's here. And, oh, jo- Stephanie, Jones. Stephanie Jones. Thank you, Nate. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes. Now Jones. Yes, it is. Um, so, um, I remember coming up to her one day and being like, Stephanie, is this real for you? Because like, I know it's real for me. Like, I feel like this crazy, weird, like power thing. And like, it's like intense. But like, I feel like it's real, like real, real. Yeah. And it was just, it was amazing. It was phenomenal. It also was that I had never really had friends. Hmm. And she really cared for me and loved me. And, and it was amazing to have a real friend in my life. Hmm. So I followed her like, like a tick after a hog. <laughs> I did. I followed her okay. and I just went along with her anywhere she went. Did you say hog? Yeah. Tick yeah. on a hog. Ever seen yeah. them? They're... They chase them hard. She's not in here. Sorry, Stephanie. Hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I followed Stephanie, and um, they were blessed with um, being able to get their own home, and they needed to place their home. And nowhere that we could find could place this home except Italy, Texas. And I was like, Italy. Okay. All right. We're way out here. Okay. I'll figure this out. I'm not going with them, but I need to find a place of my own, but I ain't leaving her. <laughs> so... Um, 
I had decided on Waxahachie um, through kind of a God note through my mom. Um, I had received a Bible of my mom's and it had talked about um, Zion a lot. And I had found Zion Church in Waxahachie. And um, at that time, I had also, uh, the relationship I was in, they knew a member of the church. And they were like, well, that's really close. Let's try there. And I came to Vertical and there were people waving outside. And I was like, I am home. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was amazing. Yeah. And that's three, four years ago? Yeah, about four years ago. Four, yeah. four almost five. Yeah. So there's so many other events that happen from that moment till today. Some of them that we really can't talk about from the stage today. Yeah. And which we're not. Yeah. Um, some that are still working their way out that God is working yeah. in. But you're here today because in our second service, she's going to be baptized. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it mean today, having walked in all of that, to have the love of God in Christ and have a new name for yourself today? What does all that mean for you? The God who redeems. Mm. That series is so powerful. Mm. I identified that I, I had my happiness robbed from me, my joy robbed from me, my identity robbed from me. My entire life, I have not believed mm. the truth that I'm a child of God. Mm. I deserve love and affection and unity and fellowship. The enemy just continued to tell me lies about how I'm not good enough, how I'm always under judgment and scrutiny and everything that I ever say, anything I ever do, it's not gonna be enough. And through this series lately, the Pray Bold and everything that's gone on, I've realized those are lies. Yeah. Those are lies straight from the enemy. Yep. I'm a child of God. I am created by him to shine. Yeah. And I am created to, to bring others to God and to boldly proclaim that he can do amazing things for you because he can do them. He's done them for me. Nothing is beyond his grasp. Nothing. We're all programmed to believe that our, our fear, our, our shame, our unworthiness, our sadness is internal and that no one else feels it. That's a lie. That person beside has a sadness as well. They have things that they're hurting as well. And I'm so happy to finally be able to be at that place to decide yeah. and proclaim, God loves me. Yeah. Jesus died for you. For me. Jesus is at work in you. Yeah. He's still redeeming. The events of this past year are um, as difficult and painful as any of the stories you've heard already. And Jesus is still redeeming your life. So I just, I wanted y'all to be able to hear this story. What a powerful story of redemption, of Jabez's name, you know, being made new. Jabez is my homie now. So again, in the second service, um, we're going to baptize her at this point in the service. But I, what I'd like to do in this service 
is have some of the women come and stand around Wendy and let's pray for her. Her story's not over and uh, there's still much to be done. But she is confident in who her Lord is. She is confident in what he's doing and he is redeeming her, giving her a new name. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Y'all welcome to come up around here if you want. Y'all just get all around her. Wendy, take a look at all these women around you. I hope you feel and know the love of Jesus through them today. You're not alone. You're not isolated. You're not under a curse. You're under the covenant of Jesus now. There's love for you. He is working all things for you. He's blessing you. He's expanding your territory. He's keeping you from evil. And he's making it so that you are not one who causes pain. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for the stories of Scripture. I'm grateful for the stories of today, of people's lives being radically transformed by your love. I thank you for Wendy. I hurt for all that she's been through. But Lord, it's just a powerful testimony again of you take what others have meant for evil and you turn it for good. Today, she has out loud proclaimed her escape, her freedom, and her trust in you. And so enemy, from now on, you have no voice into her life. You have no reason to speak demise and destruction and curse over her. And Holy Spirit, you have full reign to speak truth into her heart, to remind her of who she is in our Lord Jesus. So I pray blessings upon her. I pray provision upon her. I pray future greater influence through her because of her willingness to boldly proclaim you, Jesus. I ask you to bless her family. I ask you to bless Nevaeh. I ask you to bless with provision and a future and a hope and the confidence that she will not be one who causes pain, but she will be one who brings blessing wherever she goes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much.